right, we want to give it up for all of our live streamers, New York, Georgia, North Carolina, and Hawaii. Come on, give it up for all of our live streamers. We wish we were with you in Hawaii right now. How many of y'all think we should start a campus in Hawaii? Come on, raise your hand. Jesus, send me. And uh, hey, again, my name's Troy uh, Maxwell. I wanna give it up for your campus pastors, Pastor Stephanie, Pastor Aaron. You guys stand up. Aren't they cute? They just got married last week. We're so glad that they finally worked it out. No, how long y'all been married? 23 years, holy cow, Aaron doesn't look more than about 27, fantastic, awesome, awesome. Make sure you meet them after the service, we'll be in the lobby, love to meet you, get to know you a little bit. Um, I'm going to start with a statement today, and you'll kind of see the direction that I'm going. Uh, I got to preach here twice on this series in James, I'm excited because I get to share another message out of James. James has become my best friend, I love the book that he wrote. Uh, it's one of my favorite books right now. By the way, every book in the Bible is my favorite book in the Bible, even the book of maps. Um, I love them. Listen to this statement. You'll see it on the screen behind me. The existence of faith does not depend on physical circumstances changing or our emotional state changing, but the understanding of the Holy Spirit's revealing of who God is and that he has more than enough to fulfill his plan for our lives. How many of y'all believe that God is more than enough? I believe that, I really believe that. I believe that God that we serve is a God of the impossible. You may be facing something impossible right now. If you'll use your faith that every one of us has, God has already deposited in you. My, my goal today is to stir that faith up. Just point at your neighbor, just say stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. Look at your second choice. Say, stir is up too. Stir it up, stir it up. Point behind you, look behind you. Look, say, stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. Put it right in front of you. Just say, stir it up, stir it up. That's, that's my goal. Jesus described faith in many different ways. In Matthew chapter eight, there was a centurion. He was a leader. He ran, he was a pagan. He was a Roman centurion. He, he probably led thousands of, of soldiers and he had a servant at home that was sick. And he came to Jesus because he had just simply heard that Jesus could heal the sick. And so he came to Jesus and said, hey, if you'll just speak a word, you don't even have to come to my house. Just speak a word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus called his faith great faith, great faith. In Matthew chapter eight, just a few verses later, the disciples, I think this is really interesting, the disciples were in this boat. They were all, most of them were fishermen, right? They were out in the water and this storm comes and Jesus is asleep in the boat. How many of y'all feel like Jesus is asleep right now in your life? Come on. If you don't wanna raise your hand, close your eyes. Nobody will see you. We've all felt that way. The disciples are freaking out. They don't know what to do. And Jesus comes out of the boat, out of the, out of the middle of the boat, stands up on the top, calms all the seas, and he calls their faith little faith. In Mark chapter two, there's four guys, a little small group. They have a friend who comes to their house every week. He comes on a, a, a platform because he can't walk. He's paralyzed. And so they hear that Jesus is preaching on Salome Church Road at Freedom House. Place is packed, jam-packed. Nobody can get in. They can't get through the window. They can't get through the door. So they climb up on the roof. They poke a hole in the roof. They lower their friend down. Jesus heals him, 
heals their friend. And you know, it's interesting. Jesus didn't say because of your faith. He said because of their faith. The four gods. In Mark chapter 11, he tells us that we need to have faith. If we'll just have faith. Mark chapter, in Matthew chapter 17, he says, if you can just have mustard seed faith, in other words, just a little tiny faith, tiny faith you, can, you can tell this mountain to jump into the sea. In Romans chapter 1, it says that we can have a mutual faith. In Acts chapter 3, it says through faith. In Jude chapter 20, um, Jude verse 20, it says that we have, most our, we have our most holy faith when we're praying in, in the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 6 verse 16, it says that we all carry a shield of faith faith. In Hebrews 11, 1, the Bible says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let me ask you a question. What would Jesus say about your faith? How would he describe your faith? Would he, would he say it's great? Would he say it's little? James, I believe, is a book about faith. It really is. I mean, he talks about faith all throughout the scripture. From the chapter one all the way through chapter five. And chapter one, he talks about faith in our trials. Chapter two, faith with patience, faith with, in our temptations, faith in the word, faith with our works, faith in our mouth. And finally, in chapter five, he talks about faith in our prayers. I wanna read a few verses here. I'd encourage you to take some notes. I wanna talk about what genuine faith looks like, what it looks like, what genuine faith, authentic faith, real faith, Faith. Come on, look at your neighbor one more time. Say, stir it up, Jesus, stir it up. Look at verse 21. I'm gonna read a lot of scripture today because this is church and we like to talk about the Bible. Verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. So he starts off in this particular section, this paragraph, talking about first and foremost that our faith is built on the word of God, nothing else. Nothing more, nothing less. And by the way, the word is no respecter of person. So it works for everybody. It doesn't work better for a pastor than it does for somebody else. It, it, it works. If you eat carrots, you get, we all get the same amount of beta carotene in carrots, right? Like carrots aren't respecter of persons, and neither is the word. You use it, it'll work for you regardless, which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his face, his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty or the word and continues in it, is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Shoot down to verse 14 of chapter two. He continues this thought. What does it profit, my brethren? He, he, just a bunch of questions here. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says, depart, be in peace, be warm, be filled, and you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe, in, you believe that there is one God? 
you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He was called the friend of God. Notice that it's synonymous when we have faith, we're called friends. Faith, friends, faith, friends. You see... Verse 24, then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now, what makes this passage a little bit challenging is if you know the scriptures, it feels like that James is in conflict with what Paul was saying. Now, let me build a little bit of framework here, and then we'll dig into the meat of this message. It sounds like, because Paul, if you remember what Paul said, he said, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. James talks about how we need to show our faith by our works, and Paul is saying, no, 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 it's just faith. We'll talk about it in a second. Ephesians 2, it says, by grace, you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Galatians 2, this is Paul talking, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law. Hold on a second, what's going on? Why is James saying faith? Without works is dead. And Paul is saying, well, you need to just be justified by your faith. Who is right? The answer is both. Both are right. Because both are tackling our faith from a different perspective. Paul was dealing with legalism. Our righteousness by works. This is what Jesus got so mad at the Pharisees about got really angry with them because they would say something but do something different. And they were using their works as a legalistic way to control. This is called a religious spirit, right? We know people like that. We, we know some folks like that, 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 that their whole life is built around judging other people. And you know, here's the challenge. The challenge is most of the time, the thing that they're judging them for, God is really judging them about. Usually it's their own deal that they're dealing with, but it's much easier for me to point yours out than it is for me to take responsibility for mine. <laughs> That's why they get religious. See, Paul is dealing with legalism. James is dealing with laziness. Paul was dealing with the root of salvation and what's happening on the inside. James is dealing with the fruit of salvation, what's dealing with the outside. Paul was dealing with eternity James was dealing with our earthly existence. See, both are right, okay? Both are actually really important, but I wanna talk about what makes your faith active. What, what shows that you're a believer, that you're a Christian, that you're born again, that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. See, faith is a connection between the work of the Holy Spirit 
and the power at work in our new nature. What faith does is it lines us up with a God who can do the impossible. So it puts the Holy Spirit in our world so that I can actually live out what it looks like to be a Christian, which right now is difficult. But the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. This shouldn't be that hard. But yet we're challenged that sin is not really sin. And so you get confused and, and get disconnected. But if we allow the word of God to lead us, we understand at its core, faith is a relationship with God through our obedience. That's what it is, a relationship with God. It's not transactional, it's relational. I like to say it this way, faith is a wire that conducts a current called grace that flows from the Holy Spirit so that the new nature, who we are, when you say yes to Jesus, you become a new person. Everybody say, I'm a new person, I'm a new person. I'm, I'm a brand new person, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, how do I live that out? Power of the Holy Spirit through my faith. Now, let me ask you a question. What's the opposite of faith? What's the opposite of faith? Most people would say fear, but that's not the opposite of faith. Biblically, unbelief is the opposite of faith. So if I believe, that's my faith, Unbelief would be the opposite. How do you know that someone believes? They're obedient. So faith in its core, in its essence, is obeying. I obey. Unbelief expresses itself in fear. Let me prove it to you. If we fear a lack of money, it's because we don't believe God is our provider. So I'm not gonna tithe because I'm afraid. Well, well, hold on, what are you afraid about? Because God says he'll meet every need that you have. He'll take care of everything for you. Now, I know, I know, I know what you're thinking. Well, you know, I don't know what the church is gonna do with the money, and I don't know, you know, I've seen on television. Hold on a second, hold on a second. Let's talk for a few minutes about your faith, not somebody else's faith. Because we can all go down the, the list of people who quote unquote said, had, who had faith, but they did something weird. Come on, don't point at them right now, but we know somebody like that, right? We all can do that. We see people on television, they say, I have faith, and then they do something crazy. I was talking to a guy the other day, he goes, yeah, I don't like to go to big churches because they're hypocrites. And I said, really? I said, pretty much everywhere I go, they're hypocrites. At the country club, hypocrites, right? At the job, hypocrites. My family. I didn't say, I was talking about like his family, not my family. He said, well, I don't know a hypocrite. You are one right there. You, we all are hypocrites to some extent. See, what, what happens is it's, we can easily make an excuse about what faith is or isn't based on somebody else. But let's just take a time out from that and let's just focus on ourself today. Let's focus on our own faith. See, we fear sickness because we don't believe God is the healer. Well, what if he doesn't heal me? Okay, you're still gonna go to heaven. We might fear death. Why do, why do we fear death? Well, because we don't believe God has eternity taken care of. See, it's all about unbelief. Faith is obedience 
and obedience is faith. Listen to that. Faith is obedience, and obedience is faith. Unbelief is disobedience, and disobedience is unbelief. Unbelief is the demotion of God that he's enough. You fill in the blank for whatever. Basically, if, I'm, if I fear something, I'm basically saying, God, you're not enough in some area. So let me give you five ways to build genuine faith. Five ways, according to James, to build genuine faith. Right, write this first one down. Genuine faith is more than just talk. It's more than just talk. In other words, it's not just what you say. Here's how, how James said it. He said, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? I like the message paraphrase. He says it like this. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? We can say all the right stuff. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. That's good to say. But do you believe that you're really blessed and highly favored? See, faith is not talking yourself into something. It's a position under the leading of a God who's more than enough. That's what it is. It's, I, I believe it regardless of what I say or what I see. I was talking to a girl the other day after church. I preached, I think it was here. I, I was preaching on um, uh, miracles and we prayed for the sick, and she came, and she goes, okay, let me ask you a question. If I go to somebody else and ask them to pray for me, does that remove the other prayer? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes like, does that X out the other one and begin a new prayer? And I said, you're overthinking this, sweetheart. She said, well, what if I say I have a headache? Does that mean that I don't believe God heals me? No. Now, that's the way I grew up. I grew up in a church that you weren't allowed to say you were sick even if you were sick. Like you can't say, you can't say, well, I don't feel good. You never, don't say that. Because in the natural, you may not feel good, but in the spiritual, you're healed. Like that just sounds weird. Look, I have a, I have a, I have a temperature. See, what that does is take, that takes faith from your heart to your head. And faith is not a head thing, it's a heart thing. Now, does that mean you shouldn't say those things? It's, it's semantics. We, we gotta get to the point where we believe it. It's not, you, you're not talking yourself into something. That would mean that whatever I confess, I can have. That that's, gets a little scary. Name it, claim it. Anybody grow up into that environment? Now, no, you're thinking, well, I like that. Yeah, but what if you don't get it? Then your, your, your whole theology is messed up. See, God may have something different for you. That's why we put ourselves in a relationship with God and we're simply obedient to the word and then he will always come through. Are you with me? Is this okay so far? So he says, dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere if this, in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything. Don't, does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? See, a professor of Christianity is not always a possessor of Christianity. I used to surf a little bit. I'm not very good, but I really enjoy getting in the water and swimming around, and I can get up and do some things. And we used to have a name for people that carried surfboards but never got in the water. They would walk down the beach, you know, 
was carrying their surfboard. But I never saw them get in the water. We called them posers. Listen, don't be a Christian poser. Don't just carry your Bible down the road without ever getting in the water. See, faith is more than just talk. Here's how Jesus said it in Matthew chapter seven. He kind of makes it plain. I mean, he's just making it plain, making it plain. He says, a good tree, Matthew seven, verse 18, cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's a scary verse right there. When I was in high school, I went to my little Baptist um, youth group, and we had this practice, like once a year, we would have this contest where we would have a mock court case where we would put somebody on the stand and we had a prosecutor and a defender and they would have to either prosecute or defend whether this person was a Christian or not. In other words, they had to display the evidence to prove to everybody that they were a believer, that they were a Christian, that they were a follower of Jesus Christ. So you put people on the stand and the defender defended their ability to be a Christian. The prosecutor was trying to talk everybody out that they weren't a Christian. It was, it was challenging. 15 years old, we were going at each other. You smoked a cigarette? No, the, the, that was the deacon's kids. But anyway. <laughs> what, what if you were put on the stand? Is there enough evidence that you would be called a Christian? Number two, we'll get out of this one. Number two, genuine faith is practical. It's practical. It's more than just words. It's more than just what you say. It's practical. If a brother or sister, verse 15 and 16, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warm, and be filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? See, it's not, your faith is not just about whether you have empathy or compassion. It's about whether you actually act on that compassion. Jesus looked at a group of people and it says he had compassion that they were sheep without a shepherd. So you know what he did? He became their shepherd. This is why we do Serve Charlotte. is to give everybody an opportunity to put their hand to the plow because here's what I know. Here's what I know what happens. I've seen it for the last 30-something years that I've been a Christian. And this is what changed my life. When I put my hand to the plow, I could not look back. There's no way that I could go back to my old life. Because when I start to see the life change of somebody else, it puts a responsibility and a demand that God can do that over and over and over again. And I just, I get kind of addicted to it. Like, I wanna see lives changed. And watch Watch people like, like Pastor Stephanie was talking about who were hooked on drugs and alcohol get completely rocked to the point where they die and get raised back to life as a result of God. That is impossible. So we had to get, just get involved. Do something this week. We got something going all, all week long. All week long we got something. I don't have time. Sure you do. You can make some time. Well, I got a job. We all do. We all have a job. I'm not asking you to do it every week. I'm just asking you to give maybe an hour of your life this week 
and watch. What, well, that's not my lane. I don't like doing that stuff. I just want to give money. Okay, that's cool. Do both. That's cool with me. Do both. Get involved. Well, you know, my kids got soccer practice. Look, they're not that good. Just come anyway. Let's be honest. They're not going to be professionals. Is that, did I just say that out loud? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just telling the truth today. <laughs> That's terrible. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm sorry. Just stir up the faith. Sorry. Forgive my pastor. <laughs> You're not supposed to keep score out there anyway. <laughs> faith is not equal to feelings. To allow your feelings to guide your faith is like a truck driver being controlled by the cargo in his truck. We allow our faith to drive us, lead us, but not our feelings. Do we have feelings? Absolutely. Do we have emotions? Absolutely. But that is not where our faith is. Let me say it another way. Faith is not based on results. It's based on obedience. See, when we start to put faith in results, you start to put faith in your faith instead of faith in God. Let me say that again. If we start to put our faith in the results, well, this has got to change. This is where we get in trouble because then we go, well, do I have enough faith? If it didn't happen, do I have enough faith? Well, Jesus said all I need to have is a little bit and I can speak to a stinking mountain and then jump into the sea. Is there something wrong with me? So we start to second guess. And there's nothing wrong with having doubts. Nothing wrong. Read the Bible. Everybody had doubts. God can handle doubts. How does he do it? He reinforces the promise over and over and over. He'll keep reinforcing it from different ways. He'll keep challenging you because it's just a doubt. Fear is unbelief. Doubt is just a mental, I don't, I don't quite get it right now. And it's okay, I have doubts. I'm a skeptic. We all have some bit of skeptic, a little bit of Thomas in all of us. Let me see the wounds. Let me see the hole in your side. Let me see the hole in your hands. It's, it's okay. Jesus isn't uncomfortable with skepticism. He can't be around unbelief. He's not uncomfortable with skepticism and doubting. And so faith is not based on results. If, if I put my faith in my results, my faith is in my faith instead of being in God. I just obey God. I just trust God that he's reliable, that he'll take care of things. It's a relationship. Number three, genuine faith is visible. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith and I will show you my faith by my works. The word show means to point out, explain, and prove. Faith is something that you wear, that people can see. Genuine faith is showy. You can see it. It exhibits something. It's apparent. It's not intellectual. It's not, not really theological. People can see it. If you can't show someone your faith, you, you can't show someone your faith without your works. You have to demonstrate it. It's like someone who says, I'm a painter. Okay, well then show me your paintings. If you don't have any paintings, you're not a painter. Somebody says, you're, I'm a pastor. Well, show me your church. Well, I don't have one yet. No, you're not a pastor yet. I know you wanna be, but you're not a pastor yet. Show me your church. I'm a Christian. Show me. Let's see it. Well, I'm a closet Christian. You know, I'm just kind of one of those undercover Christians. I only let it out when I'm by myself. 
Well, we need to see a little bit more than that. It's a decision. See, faith, listen to me, faith is a decision to rest my life on the reliability of God, on his integrity. The Bible calls it his immutability. See, a promise, listen to me, a promise is only as good as the one giving the promise. We all, have, we all know people who go, I promise. And you're like, yeah, right. Like, you're gonna give me that $20 you owe me, Aaron? No, you're not. You haven't given it to me for three years. You keep, oh, prom- next week, I promise, next week. Yeah, right. I'm lost, that money's gone. But see, God is a promisor who always fulfills his promise. Matter of fact, his promises are so strong and so reliable. If one jot, one little bit, or one tittle, just one little tiny bit were to be wrong, the whole earth would fold up. In other words, the entire universe is built on his word, God said. If if that's true, how much more does God care about you in your life? How much more does God care about your prosperity, your future, your finances, your family, your marriage. If, if his word upholds the entire universe, how much more does he care about you, man? That's a, I, I think I wanna put my trust in that kind of promise. How about you? Come on, look at your neighbor. Say, stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. Genuine faith is more than just believing. You believe, listen to verse 19. You believe that there's one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. (laughs) A lot of people who have strong beliefs, they know the Bible, can quote the Bible. But see, genuine faith is a conviction that stands in crisis and pressure. That's how you know your faith is strong when you're able to get through some stuff. It's like what T.D. Jakes says. You'll never know what kind of faith you have until you've been in a good fight. You gotta go through some fights. And so what God does is sends the fight to you. I don't like that. He's, He's... your faith, it's building your faith. Why, why does God allow those things to happen? Because he knows there's something else that you need to believe for that's bigger than you right now. See, the order it works with God in regards to your faith, because he wants to do the impossible. But the first impossible he has to do is you. So the order of faith and the change is God changes me then my stuff, that's the way it always works. Now, it looks like it's the same time, but in reality, it's just me first. It's always me first. It's always you first. God, God changes you first, and then he changes your stuff because he's more concerned about you than your stuff. L- listen to what the Bible says. Listen to the Passion's translation in, in, in uh, the same verse. It says, you can believe all you want that there's one true God. That's wonderful, but even the demons know this and tremble with fear before him. Yet they're unchanged, they remain demons. How do I know I have faith? Change. Change. My life starts to change. Things around me start to change. People say, sure, I'm a Christian. Do you go to church? No. Do you give your time? No. Do you tithe? No. You're not a Christian. You're not a believer. Prove it. That's, that's what James is saying. I didn't say it. Don't send me the email. Send it to james at freedomhouse.cc. I'm just reading the Bible here. He says, show me your, if faith without works, dead faith. It's dead. Number five, last one. 
And then we're done. We'll go home, go to Viva Chicken, get some food. <laughs> Genuine faith is something you do. It's something you do. Verses 20 through 25 talk about this. And what James does, which I think is so brilliant, is he compares Abraham and Rahab. I mean, the two most, Abraham, pretty likely that he would talk about Abraham when it comes to faith. But why Rahab? Because we fall somewhere in between. (laughs) Abraham, the father of faith, and Rahab. You know her. Like, we fall somewhere in the middle there. Think about it. Abraham was a man. Rahab was a woman. There's only two choices, just saying, being clear. Abraham was a Jew. Rahab was a Gentile. Abraham was a patriarch. Rahab was a prostitute. Abraham was a major Bible character. Rahab was a minor one. Abraham was a somebody. Rahab was a nobody. So, so I love what James does. He gives us a demonstration of Abraham, who, by the way, doubted often. That's why God came to him five different times, giving him the same promise over and over and over and over and over again. Five different times. I don't know if I can do it. Well, let me tell you, I'm your refuge. I'm your shield. I'm the one. Well, you know, I don't have a kid. Well, I'm your refuge, I'm your shield. Well, you know, I, I need to have a baby here. You know, it's been 17 years. You came to me the first time. I did what you said to do. I went to Canaan land. I, lived, I left my mom, I left my dad, I left my family, I left everything. I, I doubt so much. Well, how about, how about Hagar? She's cute. I mean, he really, he really doubted to the point where he ended up being with his wife's servant girl. That's a mistake. It's one thing to tell a lie. It's another thing, servant girl. Crazy Abraham, I'm your shield, I'm your buckler. 25 years goes by. He finally has a son, so what does God do? Take your son up, sacrifice him. What, what? Faith is obedience, obedience is faith. Faith is obedience, obedience is faith. Well, I guess, God, if you brought him, you can raise him back to life. Rahab, God sent two spies to her. That's what happens often. We end up having two spies show up at our door. Two things. Things happen in our life in order that we can discover what our faith is really like. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk to two people today. Could you stand up with me? Genuine faith is not talk. Genuine faith is practical. It's visible. It's not just believing. It's something that you do. It's something that you do. I want to talk to two people today. And I want you to think about this. Just close your eyes if you can. Even if you're at home, just close your eyes right where you are. I just want to ask you, if you're here today, if you're listening today, and maybe maybe you really haven't taken that faith step to give it all to God all of it to God. I'm talking about your eternity, your future. You know, you can punch that card right now by faith through God's grace. You can't do it yourself. It's not about being good enough. It's about believing that Jesus died and was raised from the dead so that you could spend eternal life with him. Here's the great thing. He'll work out all the other stuff. You just obey. Just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
He'll work it all out. Well, what about this relationship? And what about this sin? And what? Let, let him work it all out. You don't have to try to figure out all that stuff. I like, I like the way Ed Cole said it. You don't have to get good to come to God. You come to God and he'll get you good. That's how he works. That's what he did with me. He did with many people around this room. And you can make that same decision today by faith. Second group I wanna talk to is the person whom you're that undercover Christian. Nobody really knows. Sure, you show up to church. Yep, you, you show up. You come in, you leave, you don't serve, you don't give, you're not really involved. But even at home, Monday through Saturday, nobody would even know that you're a believer. How about making a decision to put on faith? As James said, to combine your faith and your works, to be a fruitful Christian. It's gonna take you getting out of your comfort zone like Pastor Stephanie said and walking away from what's comfortable to you. That's what it takes, it requires. Here's what the Bible says to you. Let me, let me read this, what the Bible says to you in 2 Corinthians. He says, he says this, and this is for both groups. I want you to think about this and then I'm gonna pray for you. Test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it all out. If you fail the test, do something about it. And that's what I'm asking you today, is do something about it. Take a step. Um, when I count to three, if you fall into one of those two groups of people, I just wanna pray for you. Just raise your hand, you ready? One, two, three, you just raise your hand. You say, that's me. I wanna make sure my eternity's good. And I wanna, I wanna put on faith today start to demonstrate to people around me, my family, my friends, my job. I wanna be that faith-filled person. So Father, I just pray for every person. God, as they took a step of faith today to get out of their comfort zone. Say this with me, everybody together, especially if you raised your hand. If you raised your hand, take that same hand, put it right on your heart today. Let's pray this out loud. Church family, join with them. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. Heavenly Father, I believe your promise because you're a great promiser. You have integrity. You're reliable. Nothing is impossible with you. Today, I ask you to transform me. Change my heart. Change my thinking. Make me different. Make me a new creature. In Christ Jesus, I will walk by faith. I will show my faith. People around me will see a difference. People around me will be changed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap. God bless you guys.